You're listening to a message from Mattia Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. It's been almost a year since we've been able to gather on a Sunday morning. This is exciting. I know there may be uh, looking for space and seats. Not every Sunday we'll have tables, so enjoy today because we got tables this Sunday morning. Uh, we're going to be swapping out the tables, but one thing we will be able to count on is on Sundays we will be able to have our own coffee is back. Uh, many of you may not know that our coffee comes from a custom roaster, and uh, we haven't been able to have the Southridge blend. It's literally called the Southridge blend. You can't buy our coffee anywhere else. Some of you just think it's Folgers. We don't mess around. We don't do Folgers around here. Nothing against Folgers, nothing against instant coffee, but uh, we, we take it to the next level for you, so it's exciting to be able to have our custom roasted coffee. So we're glad that you're here. If you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter number 20. Any of you ever struggled with trust issues? Can I see your hands? Ever struggled with trust issues? Hey, there we go. Now, uh, your trust issues may be based on the fact that it, you just say, you know what, I've been, a lot of people have done mean things and, and, and made me feel like I can't trust them. Or some of you are more like me, okay? Uh, I'm not a practical joker at all. I don't like pranks. That was never me. But when I got married, I didn't realize that my wife loves practical jokes. Like that's, she's just all about the practical jokes. And uh, she thought it would be funny to take ice in a bucket. And then while I'm taking a nice hot long shower, uh, she thought it'd always be funny to just take a bucket of ice water and just like, you know, dump it on me, you know, things like that. So all of a sudden, little, little deep-seated trust issues started to seep in. And then it didn't take long before uh, she would buy me a gift. And I've told you guys about this. And she would m just mess with me with the gift or something. So some of you, your trust issues may be based on funny things. Some of your trust issues may be based on not so funny things, more serious but I think one thing we can all agree with, there are certain things we have trust issues with. Maybe it's certain foods. You say, I'm not eating that food. I got, I got food poisoning from that. I got trust issues. I'm not going back to such and such a restaurant, or I'm not going to hang around such and such type people because of trust issues. You know what I'm amazed by is the fact that sometimes our trust issues come into our relationship with God. Sometimes we take our trust issues that we may have with other people and then we start to have those same issues with our relationship with God. We have a hard time trusting him. And so oftentimes distrust feels like protection, but it really leads to our downfall. And maybe you're thinking, well, I have trust issues because people have lying issues. That's why I got my trust issues. And that could be, that could be. But when it comes to our relationship with God, our relationship is not helped or better served by our trust issues that we bring in. And so this morning, I want us to look at a passage of Scripture, and I want to deal with this topic of trust 
issues. If you have your Bible, 1 Kings chapter number 20, 1 Kings chapter number 20, we're going to begin reading in verse number 13. Now, I got, a, I got a lot of scriptures to cover, but don't worry. The message, I don't plan on it being long, but I just want to really get the background of the story. This is King Ahab. King Ahab is a king that has his highs and his lows. He would always start to do well, but then he married a woman named Jezebel. Now, if you're thinking of baby names, please don't name your daughter Jezebel, all right? So it's just not, not one of the names that are on the top of the list. But Ahab would constantly do right, then wrong, wrong, then right. He kept flip-flopping. And God was going to send judgment to King Ahab in the form of a king of Syria named Ben-Hadad. Notice if we would, verse number 13. I want to give you the full crux of the story, and then we're going to dive in. Verse number 13 says, Suddenly a prophet approached Ahab, king of Israel, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you seen all this great multitude? Behold, I will deliver it into your hand today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So Ahab said, By whom? And he said, Thus says the Lord, By the young leaders of the provinces. Then he said, Who will set the battle in order? And he answered and said, You. Then he mustered the young leaders of the province, and there were 232. And after them he mustered all the people, and the children of Israel, 7,000. So they went out at noon. Meanwhile, Ben-Hadad and the 32 kings helping him were getting drunk at the command post. Verse 17, the young leaders of the province went out first, and Ben-Hadad sent out a patrol, and he told them, saying, men are coming out of Samaria. He said, if they have come out for peace, take them alive, and if they have come out for war, take them alive. Then these young leaders of the provinces went out of the city with the army which followed them, and each one killed his man. So the Syrians fled, and Israel pursued them. And Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, escaped on a horse with the cavalry. Then the king of Israel went out and attacked horses and chariots and killed the Syrians with a great slaughter. And then the prophet, the same prophet we saw in verse number 13, comes back in verse 22, and he says to him, Go, strengthen yourself, take note, and see what you shall do. For in the spring of the year, the king of Syria will come up against you. Then the servants of the king of Syria said to him, The gods are gods of the hills. Therefore, they were stronger than we. But we fight against them in the plain. Surely we will be stronger than they. So do this thing, dismiss the kings, each for his position, and captains in their places, and you shall muster an army like the army that you have lost, horse for horse, chariot for chariot. Then we will fight against them in the plain. Surely we will be stronger than they, and he listened to their voices and did so. So it was in the spring of that year that Ben-Hadad mustered the Syrians and went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. And the children of Israel were mustered and given provisions, and they went against them. Now the children of Israel encamped before like two little flocks of goats, while the Syrians filled the countryside. Then a man of God came and spoke to the king of Israel and said, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore, I will deliver all this great multitude into your hand, and you will know that I am the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Grace, Heavenly Father, we're so grateful and thankful to be here this morning. It's a wonderful sight to be together as a church family once again to kick off this new season. I'm thankful for all the hands that prepared the food that we're about to enjoy in a moment. I'm thankful for all the guests that are here visiting. I pray that each and every one of us would uh, be blessed. Father, we also want to thank you for the sacrifice that this weekend represents for all those who gave their lives 
so that we can enjoy our freedoms. And Father, while we remember the cost that it took to have our freedom, we remember the cost that your son Jesus paid on the cross so that we could have freedom, freedom from sin. And so, Father, we pray that you would bless this sermon. We pray that you'd be over our service. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Holy Spirit, help me now. Work through our midst, we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, we see the story. Here is an army that keeps invading Israel and they keep taking and they keep taking. And finally, a prophet comes to this wicked king, King Ahab, and says, don't worry, God's going to spare you. And then the armies, they come, they attack, the Syrians lose, they're defeated. And then what reason did the Syrians give why they couldn't defeat Israel? They said, because the God of Israel is only God on the mountaintops, but he's not the God of the plains or the valleys. You see, the Assyrians did something that I'm afraid you and I often do. They made an assumption, didn't they? They assumed something about God that was not true. They assumed something about his attributes that wasn't true. They made an assumption, and based on assumption, they took wrong actions. I don't know about you, but I've made the wrong assumption of asking a woman when the babies do. You just never do that. You only make that mistake once in your life. Or I've made other assumptions about other things and uh, uh, things that have gotten me into trouble. We've all made mistakes in making assumptions, but none so bad as the Syrians because they said God is only God of the mountains. Now, a mountain represents the easy places. You ever heard somebody say, man, that was a mountaintop experience? Man, I'm just kind of on cloud nine. I'm just kind of uh, on a mountaintop. Everything's going well for me, you know? The, the relationships are good. The job is good. Uh, everything around me is good. You would say that they're kind of having a mountaintop experience. And then sometimes we refer to Psalms 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And we talk about a valley experience, the low moments. We talk about the job loss. We talk about the breakup. We talk about where God feels distant from us. We talk about the part where our own sin can lead us down a wrong path. We've experienced the highs and the lows. And the Syrians are saying about Israel that Israel, your God is only good when things are good. But if we put you guys on the plane, if we put you in the valley, your God's no good. This was the false assumption. But I don't think the Assyrians are the only people to make that assumption. I think sometimes we think, God, it's a valley. Where are you? God, are you still good even in the valley? God, I know you're good on the mountaintop, but God, are you still with me in the valley? Are you still here? Are you still present? Because it seems like I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And I'm here to tell you this morning that our God is the God of the mountain and the valley. God didn't abandon you when you were walking through the valley. God didn't abandon you when you were going through the difficulty. God stays by you when you're on the mountain and when you're in the valley. So let's not make the assumption that our God is only good on the mountaintops. And too many times... Some of us, the only time we give God praise is when things are good. When things are going well. We're like, oh man, I can't wait to go to church this Sunday because man, I've got a new car, you know, I got a new house, I got a new job, I got a promotion, I got new shoes, I got some new threats. I, I want to go praise Jesus. This is going to be a good weekend to praise the Lord. Well, that's because it's a mountaintop. And then some of us, the only time we do come to church is when things are bad, when the battle, oh, get the 
pastor together. Oh man, you guys got oil? I need a bunch of oil. I hope you got tons of oil for me. Because everything in my life needs oil. And in the valleys, it's the time you show up. But I'm here to say, we shouldn't be t- the type of Christians that only praise God in the mountain or only seek God in the valley. We need to understand that God is there no matter what. That God is constant. But as we study these things, as we look at it, something we need to be aware of. Yes, God is the God of the mountain and the valley. But notice something in verse 22. Verse 22, the Bible says through this prophet, it doesn't give us his name, it just says this prophet. This prophet comes to king of Israel and said to him, Go strengthen yourself. Take note and see what you shall do. For the spring of the year, the king of Assyria will come up against you. But wait a minute. I thought the king of Assyria already attacked. Well, the king of Assyria, he's coming back. Well, if you're taking note, would you write this down? The enemy always comes back. I think some of us are surprised when the enemy comes back. I think some of us are surprised that when we beat Satan last time, or when we beat the enemy last time, that we've got to fight that battle again. I made the mistake of thinking that the moment I was married, I would never struggle in marriage. I just thought, I'm marrying the perfect woman. She's marrying the perfect man. We're never going to fight. It's going to be easy peasy. Not even 24 hours into our wedding bliss did that get erupted, okay? Did, Did I land a culture shock? I was like... Man, is there a return policy? 14 days, you know, like Costco, do you, do you take this thing back? Can we undo this thing? Because I think I, I made a little mistake here. And then I called my dad, and he's like, oh, that's normal. I said, wait a minute, you mean that's normal? You want to take it back? Oh, he said, you don't think she wants to take you back? You think it's the wrong way? You don't think she's thinking the same thing about you? I said, of course she's not. She's, she's more spiritual than I am. She would never have those thoughts. But that's what happens. Sometimes we feel like, no, I, I, I won't have to deal with marriage issues. I'll only have to deal with it once. Or you, we feel like when it comes to parenting, oh, you know what? I get down the attitude part, and then, the, then they're good. The disrespect, the talking back. We, we only deal with that thing once. I'm here to tell you, my friend, we fail when we assume we're only going to fight the enemy once. Because the enemy loves to get you and I to think we only have to face him once. He wants you to think you're only going to have to face temptation once. But just like this wise old prophet, I need to tell you, the enemy always comes back. The enemy is not totally defeated. One day he will be defeated. One day he will be cast out forevermore. But that day is not today. So just like King Ahab had to fight the enemy more than once to beat it, you and I are going to have to fight some battles more than once to beat it. Are you struggling with the temptation? Are you struggling with the sin? And you think one Sunday at church, and, and man, they laid hands, and I got healed, and I got delivered. You don't think Satan's just going to wait till you come off that spiritual high and say, just wait till he's off the mountain. I'll find him in the valley. And in the valley, the enemy will show up again. In the valley, that's where they're going to come after you. So let's not be deceived into thinking that the enemy, he's only coming once. Because Satan, he will come back. As a matter of fact, Satan comes back. The enemy, just like here, they come back. I'm afraid, too often though, like King Ahab, it's the moments after we win a battle that we're actually the most susceptible. This is when I see a lot of people actually fall. It's right after a victory. Because we start to think, man, I must be invincible. Man, I, I, I really did, I really did something. We don't realize that who won this battle? In verse 13, the prophet came and said, God's going to win the battle. Why was
is God going to win the battle? At the end of verse 13, it says that you will know that I am the Lord. That word Lord means sovereign, that he rules and reigns, that he is over the situation. And so the reality for Ahab was that this was actually a lesson that God is in charge. And so, my friend, this morning, I'm here to tell you that just because you experience a little bit of victory, be on guard because Satan would love to get you when you think, oh, man, I'm, I'm indestructible. And in that moment, he comes after you. I've noticed, actually, the moments that we're the most on guard is right after the fall because now we're thinking, oh, man, I'm, I, I'm not going to let that happen again. It's usually in the mountaintops that that's where we are most susceptible because hubris kicks in. We start to think, oh, maybe I can take it. Maybe I can handle it. I'm amazed that we are surprised that Satan would ever try to attack us. That we're surprised that he may, as soon as you and I leave these doors, I mean, I kid you not, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I know there are people here this morning, you've walked out of church having a heard a great message, having heard from God, the Holy Spirit moved, you get into your car, no sooner have you turned on the ignition, put on your seatbelt, then all of a sudden the argument breaks out between you and your spouse. All of a sudden your arm can't get far enough to smack the children in the back because the demons are coming out. I mean, you're like, I just got out of church and already we're dealing with this. As soon as you leave the parking lot, somebody cuts you off and you're like, in the name of Jesus, I want to lay hands on you. You know, you're like, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Because you're thinking, I just left church. How is it that I'm already, I just came off the mountaintop experience. You see, the enemy always comes back a second time. And he's going to come back. So we must constantly be on guard, constantly be ready. So the enemy always comes back. Number two, write this. Be ready to fight back. Just be ready. That's what the wise prophet says in verse 22. Go strengthen yourself. Go strengthen yourself. This is wonderful. We can gather on a Sunday morning, but I'm praying that you gather with your God each and every day, that you gather strength from him because we need to be prepared. I don't know about you, but Satan doesn't just attack me on Sundays. Satan comes after me on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. He, it 24 seven, the devil wants to come after you. He will use anything he can. So you and I have to be strengthened. We have to be prepared. We don't know what's going to happen. And so for you and I just to assume that, hey, God's always good on the mountaintops and I'm just going to live the rest of my life on mountaintop experiences is, is a false assumption. So we've got to be ready. If Satan's always going to come back. We've got to be ready to fight back. So strengthen yourself. This is why in Ephesians 6 it says, put on therefore the whole armor of God every day. Having on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Having on the belt of truth, having the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. Are you armed each and every day that you're ready for a fight? How, how have you prayed and said, Lord, help me, my spirit to be ready. Help my heart to be ready. You know, it's amazing how little things can just set us off, right? I have a confession. Yesterday I came here, we were setting up and the littlest thing just set me up. And man, Pastor Meese felt it. Brian felt it. I went up to him after when I was like, hey guys, I got to apologize. I don't know what that was. It was just like, just the littlest thing just set me up and I had to apologize. I left myself vulnerable. I wasn't ready. The enemy was looking for any moment that he could make an attack and he'll do the same. You don't think he wants to destroy your marriage? You don't think he wants to destroy your parenting? You don't want to think he wants to come after your purity? You don't think he wants to steal your joy? This, the, in John 10, they, it, it lays out Satan's battle plan. John 10, 1. For the enemy comes 
but to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his game plan. That's his agenda. You want to know what Satan's plan for you is? It's to steal your joy, it's to kill you, and it's to destroy you. That's what he wants. Satan is not satisfied until he has eliminated you. So you and I think that, hey, one quick little prayer, little, little, little scripture, little, little verse in the Bible app, that's good. But you and I need to say, Lord, I, am I ready for the fight? Am I ready? Am I prayed up? Am I, am I ready for what you want to do? And then I love verse number 28. The Bible says, Then the man of God came back, and he spoke to the king of Israel and said, Thus says the Lord, because the Assyrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore, I will deliver all this great multitude into your hand, and you will know that I am the Lord. Once again, he's, the prophet is repeating something. He wants us to know something, that our God is the God of the mountain and the valleys. I don't know who this message is for. Either you are coming out of a valley or you're about to walk into a valley. And you need to be reminded that your God, he's the same God that was there when everything was going good for you. He's going to be the same God when everything's not going good for you. That he is consistent. That his character, his nature. And so some of us may have those trust issues. And we say, I just, I just don't know if I can trust him. I'm telling you that God is trustworthy. That God is faithful. That God, we said, the enemy always comes back. We need a fight back. But remember, verse 28 tells us that God always has our back. That God is always there. And I love this because Ahab is a wicked king. Later on, we're going to read about how there was a just, godly, righteous man named Naboth. And the Bible says that King Ahab wanted his vineyard. And I kid you not, this king, King Ahab, who God is rescuing him, he wants the vineyard, says he wants to buy it. Naboth won't sell it because it has to do with his heritage that was passed down, so he won't sell it. So the Bible literally records in the next chapter that King Ahab cries. He pouts to Jezebel, and Jezebel takes care of and has Naboth killed and then gives Ahab the land, and Ahab doesn't ask. So what happened to Naboth? What happened to that business deal, okay? Don't mess with Jezebel. Don't want to mess with her. But here is Ahab. He's not a godly man. He's a wicked man. But isn't that just like God to show mercy to a wicked person? You see, God's mercy is seen in this passage. There's mercy on that mountain. All of us are going to fall and make mistakes, aren't we? The psalmist said it best when he said, hey, we're just dust. It's just dirt. Nothing great about us. Some of us, our dust is better formed than others, but we're all just dirt, okay? All right, we, some of us got more dust, some of us got less dust, but we're all just dust at the end of the day. We're frail, we're fragile. And here, God's mercy is poured out. Even a person who didn't deserve it, Ahab did not deserve it. But God's mercy showed up. How many times did you and I not deserve God's mercy? And God's mercy came running. God's mercy showed up in the situation. I know that I don't deserve the wife, the family, the children, the ministry, the area that I live in. I thank God that I live in the Bay Area. The weather is so nice. I have friends on the East Coast. They're like, hey, I'm getting swarmed by mosquitoes, storms, alligators, and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, God bless you. I live in the Bay Area. It's beautiful. It's nice. There's no humidity. We don't have to worry about any of that. It's great. And then I just, I just turned my phone around on FaceTime and let them see the beautiful area that we live in. This is a wonderful area we live in. We're so blessed. That's God's mercy. That's God's mercy. We don't deserve it. Just like King Ahab did not deserve it. I worked on a ranch in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We had about 60, 70 horses. 
One of the horses, whoever decided to do this, I don't know why, they named the horse Ahab. Why do you name a horse Ahab? And then when I got to be around Ahab, I quickly realized why they named this horse Ahab. Because Ahab had a friend. We didn't name her Jezebel, but she was just as bad as Jezebel. And we would do trail rides. And you would put people on these horses. And these horses would get mad. So literally, they would look for low-hanging branches. And they would try to just clothesline you, take you out. Man, they would just, these horses, man, they were vicious. So you always be nice to the wranglers and the cowboys because if you weren't nice to us, we'd put you on Ahab. And Ahab's like, he, he kind of, he, he grinned too whenever he did it. He'd look over and he'd kind of weak. And I'd be like, Ahab, don't you do it. Don't you do it. And he, he just, he just, Ahab was just demon-possessed horse. I was like, glue factory, man. That's where you need to go, Ahab. Glue, all right? And it was like, man, Ahab fitted. That is Ahab. But yet you and I are the same in God's sight. Why do we think we're any better? Sometimes I get in my own mind that maybe God just loves me more or maybe I deserve it. We don't. It's God's mercies on the mountaintop. But not only is it God's mercy on the mountain, it shows that God's sovereignty over every situation. You see, there are things that I like to do and things I dislike to do. There are jobs you like to do and there are jobs you dislike to do. There are certain things that you think are harder than other jobs. I don't mind vacuuming. For whatever reason, I, I have no problem vacu vacuuming. I don't mind vacuuming. I don't mind loading the dishwasher. As a matter of fact, I prefer to load the dishwasher because I feel like the way I load the dishwasher is more effective than the way my wife loads the dishwasher. This is where we have our little arguments. And I'm like, no, no, no. The bowls go like this. The spoons go like this. Things go like this. There's a certain way you load the dishwasher and, 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 and you don't have to get the dish completely clean before you put it in the dishwasher. The dishwasher will clean the dish. She's like, no, 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 no. You have to get all the gunk out of it. I said, no, 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 no. You didn't listen to the guy. He said, you need some so it agitates the bubbles, gets them more bubbles. All right. And so we we argue about little things like this because I don't mind doing it. I don't mind. Now, there's other jobs. She's like, hey, can you do this? Can you take me to the container store? No, nope, can't do it. Don't want to do it. I, I, I do not like that store. She's like, we need to go to the container store. I have been the last three Fridays at the container store. This is how much I love my wife. I love her. I mean, I would probably rather take a bullet than go to the container store one more time. Have you been to the container store? I'm just like, what are we doing here? At this, it's, it's an organizer's paradise is all it is. To me, it's containers within containers within containers. I said, it's the Russian doll is all it is. It just, it just keeps on going. Uh, I've seen this before. It's nothing new. Except, and she's like, yeah, but they're color coordinated and you can label them. Ooh, what a fun weekend we're about to have. I, I, don't, I don't share your enthusiasm here. I'm just, I'm just not, not there with you. There's other jobs we would like and dislike. You know what we do, though? We think God has jobs he likes more than he likes others. We do the same thing to God. We're just like the Syrians. Oh, God will show up on the mountaintop, but this situation a little bit too hard for God. Oh, God, you can fix their relationship, but you can't fix my relationship. It's too far gone. God, you can work in that place, but you can't work in this place. God, you can work in that city, but you can't work here. Why do you think that there are certain things that are harder and easier for God? You once again are making the mistake that the Assyrians made in assuming that there are things that are harder and easier for our God. He would not be God if he has hard things and easy things. I love what Mark Batterson once said. He said, to the infinite, all finites are the same. You see, you and I, once again, need to go back and say, how well do I know God? Why do I feel like this is hard? 
You know, I was a little bit hesitant to say, are we ready to move back to Sunday mornings? Because we weren't having to set up everything. We weren't having to prep everything, get everything ready. And all of a sudden I was like, well, this is going to be hard. And it's like, wait a minute, why is it going to be hard? Because to an infinite God, there is nothing that is hard. There's nothing hard for our God. God, if he created this world, do you really think building our church is going to be difficult for him? It's not. It's only in our labeling of God. You see, you and I love to label things, don't we? We love to label things. That's a medium task. That's an easy job. Oh, they're, they're good looking. They're not good looking. They're wealthy. They're not. That's a great job. That's a bad job. Oh, I like this candidate. I don't. We love to put people in labels. We love to just label people. You know why? Because a label actually puts parameters. It actually puts boundaries. It actually labels put limits. You see, the Assyrians said we lost. The reason we lost, it had to do with location. We were on the mountain. We weren't on the plane. Hey, we're better on the plane. And yet you and I do the same thing, don't we? We think geography determines how strong our God is. Geography has nothing to do with how strong our God is. Or we think God is only can give us triumph if we have the right terrain. And it's not about terrain. It's not about these things. These are the limits that you and I put on our God. I love what Daniel 10, 22 says. It says, and they that do know their God will do exploits. Those that know him, those that know what God is capable of, those that really know everything that God can do, the better you know God, the more you trust him, the less your trust issues. You know, I have an Apple laptop. I do. You know, my Apple laptop is basically useless to a person like me, but I could give it to a person like Dan who works for Apple. And all of a sudden, he knows every feature. I think he built it, as a matter of fact. And it's just like he knows, oh, you could get this output, and you could do this, and you could do this, and here's the shortcuts, and here's this. And I would just be blown away because I don't know that the laptop do it. Why? My limitation is only based on my knowledge of the machine. Your limitation in your spiritual life is only based on how well you know the Word. So what you and I have to stop doing is assuming that God is limited to our knowledge. When God says, I am not limited to what you know about me, because your knowledge is actually what's limited. And we have to step back and say, God, forgive me for assuming that you are not sovereign in every situation. That God, you are ruling and reigning. That God, you are in charge. You can do this. You know, I never thought I would ever be a pastor because I was born in a pastor's home, which meant we were broke, and every time there was a potluck, I was last in line. I was like, those are two very good reasons to never go into ministry. Because by the time my family went through the little, the little potluck line, you know, we you knew we were, we were good church people. We always do potlucks and everything. There was like half a chicken bone, and then there was like somebody, God bless their heart, casserole. We didn't know what it was, but there was a reason it was still there. You're one of those, you know, you're just like, you poke it, and it tries to poke you back. You know, it was one of those. You're like, I don't know about this. So I was like, God, I don't feel the call. And sure enough, God has a sense of humor. He's like, no, 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 I'm calling you. And then I thought, oh, well, I, I'll be a pastor, but I'll definitely never be a church planter. Oh, I definitely won't do that. And then in 2012, I remember thinking as I was working at a church on East Side San Jose, I was like, things are going well. This is great. I'll just keep doing this. And then all of a sudden, I began to feel a holy discontent that God began to move. God began to stir. God began to shake. And I was thinking, God, you know what? It'd be great to go to Texas, start a church there 
Texas needs churches. Tennessee needs churches. Florida needs churches. Idaho needs churches. The Midwest could use churches. You know, somewhere more affordable could use churches. Somewhere a little bit with more Christians could use churches. And God's like, through the inspiration of my pastor, said, well, have you considered San Jose? Nope. Nope, I have not. It's not on the list. And he's like, well, pray about it. Ah, oh, as soon as you start praying about something, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit begins to confirm some things in your life that why are you putting this limitation? Why are you limiting what I want to do? And so in through that, we, I started to see God sovereign. And even right now, we're, we're in another transition. And I talked to my mentor, Hal, about it. And I said, Hal, I feel like we're relaunching. He's like, hey, I relaunched every six months. He was like, there's always good times to Get a fresh start on things. And so, church, it may seem like, oh, man, are we going backwards? Are we going forwards? What's happening? I just want to tell you that God is up to some incredible things right now, yeah. some exciting things right now. Yeah. Keep me up awake at night things right now where I'm pumped about what God has next for the church. This is not the worst days. These are now the best days. Why? Because my mindset towards God and how I see him is changing and how I see what he can do and what he is doing. He's opening doors and I'm starting to see that God is sovereign over every situation. The pandemic, he was sovereign over it. Whether you think it was a, it, it, it was fake news, overhyped, whatever you think it is, understand God is over that. That's what I go to. Whatever you think about election, God is over that. Whatever you think about what's happening right now, God is over that. We look at his sovereignty and we trust in his sovereignty. We know that God is working. There's nothing too hard for him because God gives the victory even in the valley. But all that to say this and as we close, are you trusting the train or the truth of who God is as we close? What are you trusting this morning? Because that's the essence of the question, right? What are you trusting in? Some of us would say, well, I'm trusting my job. God bless you. I hope you got a great job. I hope you love it. I, 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 I really do. Oh, I'm, I'm trusting in my health. Oh, I, I hope you have great health. Uh, uh, many of you, 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 we battled this last year. It was, we weren't always healthy. And we've got people in this room, we're praying for her. It's a blessing to see Debbie Duran. It's a blessing to see her. Every Sunday, it's a blessing. We're praying. She looks good. She's here praying for her. So this is something where not everybody's blessed with that. And I, and I want that, but you can't trust in your health. You say, well, I'm trusting in the almighty dollar. Well, good luck with that. Get to crypto as quick as you can. Cash is trash, man. It's not worth anything. And all of a sudden, we're just like, well, I can't trust in that. What can I trust in? You and I have to step back and say, where is my trust? Is my trust in the right terrain, the right situations, the right things? You see, the enemies assume that because of the location, that that's why they lost. And they didn't factor in that it wasn't location, it was Israel's Lord. It had nothing to do with the fact that they think they lost because of some situation. God was in charge. Touch your neighbor if you would and just tell them, the Lord doesn't lose. The Lord doesn't lose. I, I want you to understand that this morning because I think sometimes we think God loses sometimes. No, he doesn't. He's working all things together for good to them who are the called according to his purpose. God is working all things together for good. And so as we're closing, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up as we prepare to close. And we're about to go into an invitation time. Because I'm, my concern is that as we go into this new season, we're going to make some assumptions. We're going to make assumptions about what God can and cannot do. 
we're going to make some assumptions about, well, I don't know if this season, if, if this is really the wise thing, if this is that, or, or what, what's going to happen. You know, this morning as I began to do a prayer walk, just once again, just saying, God, I don't, I don't know what, what to do. And then God reminded me of this passage. I'm not just the God of the mountain or the valley. I'm, I'm over the universe. So I don't know what you may be struggling with. I don't know what you just feel like is too big. But I want to remind you what the prophet said. You know, the point of his passage, the whole thing is found in verse 13, verse 28. At the very end, he said, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Then he repeats it in verse 28. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So whether you go through a mountain or whether you go through a valley, God wants you to know one thing. He is the Lord of it. He's over it. He's over everything you and I are about to go through. So the future is uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. But we say, God, I'm not going to assume. And I'm not going to limit you. I'm not going to put that label. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to lean on you. And I'm going to go forward. God, I'm not going to give in to my trust issues. I'm just going to place everything on you. So with heads bowed and eyes closed as we prepare to go into invitation, I want to ask this question. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And maybe you're here this morning, you're saying, hey, you're talking about knowing God and knowing the Lord, and, and I don't know if I really know Him. And maybe today God brought you here to begin that relationship with God. Maybe that's why you're here. Maybe that's why somebody invited you, so that you would know that God sent His Son Jesus to die for you and die. That's His mercy that He sent Jesus when we didn't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. There was nothing we could do. That God sent Jesus to die on a cross and He rose again, conquering death, making it possible so that you and I can have salvation. Maybe you're saying, I want to receive that gift of salvation. Is that you with nobody looking around, but you would just lift up a hand and I pray for you? Is that you? Anybody here this morning? Well, if God speaks to you and you, you want to talk to somebody, you find me after the service. But right now, you're saying, you know what? I've made some assumptions about God that aren't true. And I've been struggling with some trust issues in my life related to my walk with God. And maybe you're saying, Pastor, would you just pray for me this morning? Would you lift up your hand? You say, I just need prayer. Amen. I see those hands. Amen. 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 God bless you. May put your hands down. I'm going to pray for you. And then what we're going to do, we're going to go into invitation time. And we're just going to have a time where you could pray right there at your seat. I know you're sitting at a table and, and we're about to enjoy a, some fellowship together. But I wanted you just to have some time where the Holy Spirit can minister and speak just to you. So let me pray for you. Grace, Heavenly Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, we need your help in your divine direction. Father, there are people that are saying right here, they're, they're about to make decisions. They, they've got some trust issues. They're not sure what to do, which way is right. And it's easy to give in to the thinking that maybe there are some situations that are harder for you than others. And God, help them to remember that you're an infinite God. And to an infinite God, all finites are the same. So Father, help us this morning to know you. Help us this week to be encouraged to open up our Bible and to get to know you. And Father, I pray that you would allow us as we go through the mountains to praise you. And Lord, as we walk through the valleys, that we would still praise you. Father, I pray for those that right now they're walking through a valley. They couldn't slip up a hand. They couldn't share it. It's too heavy on their heart. But Father, you know what they're walking through. So God, I pray for them. 
Father, I pray that you would comfort them. I pray that you would strengthen them. I pray that you would bless them. Father, would you give them a light at the end of the tunnel? Help them to see that you are working. You have not abandoned them. That you've sent your goodness and your mercy to follow them. And Father, I pray for those that they're about to, they're about to get up to the mountain place. So Father, they, they've been climbing, they've been struggling, they've been working. And Father, help them to continue on to be faithful, to be faithful to you because they're about to reach the mountain. They're about to experience a great moment in their spiritual life. So Father, would you be with both groups this morning? I pray your blessing on the remainder of our service. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go and stay in just a moment of invitation right now. Can we sing that chorus one more time? We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.